First, though, let's talk a little uh, BC politics and look ahead to the announcement coming this afternoon from the Premier. My guest is the leader of the opposition, Andrew Wilkinson. He's the leader of the BC Liberal Party. Thanks again for coming on. Good morning. How are you, Mike? I'm, I'm doing good. What are you hoping to hear this afternoon here on this plan from the Premier? Well, we've seen plans in almost every other province in the country. Some of them are extremely specific with dates and timelines and uh, details like opening parks and campgrounds, and that's what we're hoping the Premier does this afternoon. Uh, Some of the other plans talk in more kind of principled terms that don't really tell you and me anything about how to conduct our lives. So we're looking for the very specific plans so that people can uh, make some plans for their lives. You know, we had a small business telephone town hall yesterday with people from all over the province and dealt with more than a dozen people with shocking stories of what's happening in their small business where they're basically imploding and expect to close at the end of May or June unless there's dramatic change. So there are 120,000 restaurant workers in B.C. who are unemployed right now. People are looking for answers, and we're sure hoping that John Horgan provides them this afternoon. Yeah, like one of the things I think people are looking for is some of those cr- uh, crucial services that have been shut down by order. Like a lot of stuff has not been ordered to be shut down by the government, but some stuff has, notably going to the dentist. Now, you can still get emergency dental care. You know, I mean, if obviously you got an emergency, your mouth is really messed up. You got to get to the dentist in emergency. That's still allowed. But a normal visit for a cleaning or whatever, or filling, that is, those are shut down. And I, and I think people are looking for something like that. Like, you know, tell me when the dentist is going to open up. Tell me when my barbershop is going to open up. Like, do you think that they should lay that out today? Like a firm Well, a firm some date? things are pretty specific and straightforward. So chiropractors, massage therapists, dentists, uh, physios, they will have very specific rules put down by their professional body, and they uh, get the PPE they need and get on with it. The harder part is we understand that what the provincial government's going to say is, oh, you're a plumber or a roofer or a dog walker or you deliver pizza, and you can send in a sector plan for approval by a collection of bureaucrats. And we say, What? I mean, since when are the plumbing sector going to get together and put together a plan for submission to government? So this is a problem if that's the approach they're taking, because we've got to get this economy going again in a safe way. Yeah. Let's be clear. We're going to follow Bonnie Henry's rules. She's been good. She's accomplished the goal of getting the virus under control. But people are starting to go a little bit crazy being stuck at home. And as I heard yesterday on the phone call from people all over B.C., a lot of people are going broke martial arts, bear viewing, Pilates studio, um, sports medicine store, you know, campgrounds. These people are facing financial ruin by the end of June, and they are looking for this afternoon's answer as to whether or not they give up. Okay, speaking to Liberal Leader Andrew Wilkinson, you're in the news today calling for a tax freeze to help people through this pandemic. Tell me about that. What taxes do you want to see frozen? Well, we sent a letter to Premier Horgan yesterday and said, here's a concept. Think it over, Premier. A 60 to 90 day holiday on provincial sales tax, hotel tax, and employer's health tax. Think what's saying there's a, there's no provincial sales tax, folks. Get out there and do your shopping. Don't do your shopping wow. online unless you have to. Get out there and patronize your stores. The stores would not pay PST, neither would the customer. That's the sort of thing that we think is going to be necessary to get this economy going again. Wow, how much would that cost the provincial treasury in foregone revenue? It's quite a lot of money. It's about $7 billion a year that the province collects, $600 million a month. But think about this, Mike. The federal government has spent $7,000 for every single human being in this country. The province has committed $1,000. 
So it's probably time um, to get serious and talk about getting people back more, to work. Spend more money. I thought you well, were supposed you were supposed to be the fiscal conservative. Aren't you supposed to be the guy telling them to balance the budget? Now you're telling them to spend like crazy. Well, every country in the Western world is doing this. Germany's doing it to the extent of about $15,000 per person. In the United States, it's $10,000 U.S. per person. Federally, it's $7,000 Canadian per person. We're in a yeah. deep, deep problem, Mike, so, and this is the role of government. So, there, so there's no amount that's too much in your mind. Like, like, do you even care about the size of the deficit now? I don't even know. Like, what? I don't even know what the deficit is going to be this year. Now, it's like five billion or something. Somebody said the other day. Like, do you even care how much, the, how big the deficit is now? We got to look at it through the eyes of those small business people I talked to yesterday. To that person who used to ride the. Sky train to the airport to work as a flight attendant. They are not spending an awful time worrying about the deficit. They're worrying about whether they're going to have a job and whether they can pay for their kids' school supplies what, this fall. What about the minimum wage set to go up on June 1st again? Do you think that that minimum wage should go up? Talking about putting more money in people's pockets, do you think that's a good idea? Or do you think maybe they should freeze that to give small business like restaurants a break? Well, some uh, employment is getting wage premiums now is essentially danger pay. You know, the people working as cashiers in in the grocery stores are making about 16 bucks an hour as a starting wage. That's good, uh, but is it sustainable? Because for all of us, prices are going to go up. We know that's going to happen because people have, you know, the, the need to get these things and the costs of everything is going up because people got to buy PPE, the costs of running a business are higher, it's just more and more difficult. So we're looking at rising costs for everybody, and some people got to keep up with their wages. That's understandable. But we've also got to think of the hundreds of thousands of people in this province who are unemployed, and they can't live off the federal uh, transfers forever. Those people are very, very worried about what's happening this summer and fall. Whether you're a restaurant worker, one of the small business people I talked to yesterday, we got to address their concerns. That's where the rubber really hits well, the road. The, what about if the people minimum, are in what, tears? We have failed. What about the minimum wage, though? You put the minimum wage up or not on June first? Well, there's a scheduled rise in the minimum wage, but it's actually yeah. fallen far behind the market pricing because, as I said yes just a moment ago, we've got cashiers at starting at sixteen dollars an hour so for scanning saying- stuff at the, the supermarket. So it remains to be seen. We got to keep up with the price of goods so people can afford to live. But at the same time, that also drives up the price of groceries. So, okay, so you're saying that, I'm trying to figure out what you're telling me here. Are you saying that you should put the minimum wage up even higher? No, I think what we're seeing is that uh, there are so many people unemployed now yeah. that the prospect of them putting pressure on the labor markets to actually reduce wages because they're ready to work for less hasn't happened because of the federal transfers. We're in a big, complicated picture right now. And the NDP, we've suggested, should back off on all their regulatory efforts and the things that drive up the cost of doing business, whether it's regulatory issues, policies, you name it. So we got to be very careful about driving up the cost of doing business or business is going to go broke. Okay, so there. Okay, let me try one more time. So put up the minimum wage or, or not. Keep it the same. Raise it. What? We should probably stick with the scheduled minimum wage increase this okay. summer, and then we're going to have right. to have a wholesale reassess- reassessment of where this economy is going, because people are very, very worried about whether they're going to have a job at all, let alone what the wage will be. All right, welcome back. Mike Smith here with you. Uh, let's talk about one of my favorite cities in BC now, and that is the great city of Surrey. Let's check in with Linda Annis now, Surrey City Councillor. Hello, Councillor. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Mike. 
Let's talk about the pandemic and the impact on the city of Surrey and the plan here now to give people a break on uh, some of the fees they could be facing at the city of Surrey. I know this is something you've been working on. What's going on there? Well, unlike um, all other cities, I guess, Surrey is suffering very badly. Many residents are, have lost their jobs, businesses have closed, or have, their revenue has dropped significantly. So one of the initiatives that the city has done is we are allowing residents and businesses to pay their property taxes on September the 30th versus July the 2nd with no penalty. So we're giving them an extra 90 days to be able to pay their property taxes this year, which I think is a great thing. I wish it was a little bit longer, but certainly this will uh, help residents and businesses. Okay, that's good to hear. And this is, isn't that something, the one, uh, isn't that an idea you came up with and didn't, didn't Doug McCallum at one point say you could, he couldn't do that? Yes, uh, the mayor actually, I did a notice a motion uh, to extend the property tax due date to December 2nd, and the mayor ruled my motion out of order. He said it was a decision that the city could not make, but I'm glad to see that uh, he's come around and that he's agreed to uh, at least allow residents and businesses to pay their taxes uh, by September 30th. Uh, Okay. So what was going on there? Was he just a little, uh, wait, you didn't know the city could do that? What, What was the explanation there? Uh, no explanation given, oh. uh, but just glad that he saw the light and yeah. you know was doing what's in the best interest of the residents and uh, business owners in Surrey. Okay, so if you want to defer paying your, ta- I guess I guess it's not a deferral; it's just basically a delay in the deadline for paying the taxes, right? So normally you'd have to pay. Okay, so what what is what was the original due date for the taxes? Your property taxes. The original due date was July the 2nd, so what we've done is we've given people an extra 90 days uh, before they actually have to pay their taxes. Right, so if you want to take advantage of that, um, do you have to do any paperwork or you just basically just don't file? Don't pay your taxes? You just don't pay them, but just make sure that you pay them by September the 30th. Right. uh, Or there is a penalty, and the penalty is 10%, which I'm a bit disappointed, and I think that's uh, pretty significant in these very uh, trying economic times. I would have liked that to have been less, but uh, I think what we need to do is wait and see how the economy recovers and how the residents are recovering from this very difficult financial time, and then if need be, closer to that date, uh, I'll go back at it and see if we can get an amendment. Okay, speaking to Surrey City Councillor Linda Anna, so for people, Councillor, who are listening to this and say, oh man, big whoop, 90 days to pay my taxes, that's not going to make much of a difference to me. You know, maybe there's a lot of people out there who think that what cities should do is defer the taxes, defer the taxes. So like right now, you've got a provincial program where if you are 55 years old or older, you can defer your taxes and pay them later. You still got to pay them later, but you can defer them. Do you think they should expand that program? Well, there is a provision in the program that it, provincially that if you do have children that you're supporting or that are living at home, you can defer your taxes for a year just one year, and then you have to pay it in that second year. Uh, You do, I believe, have to make application to do that, as you do if you're a senior and are wanting to defer your taxes. So that option is open, uh, but that's a provincial initiative. Right. the province does, they do uh, flow that money through the part, the portion that belongs or is the city's portion. They do flow it uh, to the city, so the city is kept whole. 
I think they, yeah, exactly. I, I think the province should have expanded that personally. I think that would have been a good thing to do to just give everybody or or more more people an opportunity to defer. Like if you can, maybe you could means test it. You know, like if you can afford to pay your taxes, maybe you don't need a deferral. But if you're struggling through this pandemic. I don't know. Why not give people a break on their property taxes and defer them completely? That's what I think they should have done. Let me ask you about the uh, the RCMP and the plan to replace the RCMP with a municipal police force in the city of Surrey. Uh, yesterday on the show, I had Brian Sovey on. He is the president of the National Police Federation, which is effectively the union for RCMP officers in Canada. And they put out a new poll that suggests a large number of people in the city of Surrey want to keep the Mounties. Uh, Here he is speaking to me yesterday on this poll. Shortly thereafter, consistent with our polling uh, that we started in January and then followed up with in April, uh, as um, data or more information comes available, you've seen a couple of councillors in Surrey um, uh, move away from that yeah. unanimous position, and you're also starting to see the public realize that this is uh, going to cost a lot more, and perhaps it's not the wise time to do it. Okay, when he's referring to some councillors moving away, you're you're included there because I know that you voted in favor of getting rid of the RCMP, but you've now changed your mind, right? Well, absolutely. What I did not vote for was just changing badges. That makes absolutely no sense, and. The whole proposition or notion about changing from the RCMP to the Surrey Police Department does not make sense. It's going to cost the city significantly more. Transition costs alone, $129 million is what the city is saying, but quite frankly, that's very conservative. It likely will cost more. There's no provision for an improved police force. I think the RCMP are doing a great job and uh, should continue to do it. If we take that $129 million plus, we could build a couple more rec centers. We could give the RCMP the number of members that they're needing. Uh, They are so understaffed, and it's because the city is not giving them the resources, financial resources, to be able to staff up the way they should be doing in such a growing city. Do you think that, that, um, especially at this time with this pandemic and the economy in shambles and so many people out of work and municipalities facing a revenue crunch and, and all the other terrible things we're going through here, do you think that that, given that context, that is another argument to maybe put the brakes on this thing and just stick with what we got? Absolutely. The mayor has not given us a good business case why we should be making this transition to spend money like this at this point in time for something that is not going to affect public safety in a positive way. This money should be going into programs for residents and businesses to Get them back on their feet. We need to be helping people in Surrey. We need to be helping businesses. We know businesses, by and large, are all closed, and those that are open, I've heard that their revenues are down as much as 75 and 80%. That's where we need to be putting our money, not into this the mayor's pet project. Okay, speaking to Surrey City Councillor Linda Annis, let me play another clip here, Councillor Brian Sovey from the National Police Federation. That's the union uh, that's organizing RCMP officers across the country. Here he is talking about why, in his opinion, uh, people in Surrey, he says, don't want the one, uh, don't want the RCMP to go away. Urgent priorities to them uh, is, you know, I think what we've seen through this COVID pandemic is uh, across the country, people appreciate, experience, and knowledgeable first responders in their community, right? The Surrey RCMP, we have 850 members there who live, 
raise families and work in that community and they know that community and essentially they they don't want to leave okay wouldn't a lot of those rcmp officers though just sort of join the local municipal police force I mean, it'd be the I, same be the same cops you just have a different different patch on your shoulder well i i don't think they would for a couple of reasons one is they had a choice to join the rcmp or to join a city police force they chose to join the rcmp they're happy and they're well respected in surrey and i think they you know the only thing that i would say is that um uh, the residents are showing a lot of appreciation for the fine work that they do uh, there was a uh, petition that was done that they collected more than 42,000 votes and I might add that that number are not votes but signatures I should say and right. I might add that that was more votes than any of the councillors that are left on the Safe Surrey Coalition got uh, in the last election. Clearly wow. that says to me we need to be having a referendum. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the murder hornet now, also known as the giant Asian hornet, has been spotted in British Columbia. Now, what do they murder? They murder honeybees. Oh, they can wipe out a hive of honeybees in no time. Honeybees face enough threats as it is without the murder hornet suddenly showing up. Let's check in with Conrad Barube now. He is an entomologist, which means he studies insects. He's also a beekeeper. And I'm very pleased to welcome him. Hi, Conrad. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for doing this. So this is getting a lot of attention, this, this murder hornet. Tell, tell me, first of all, what is what is a murder hornet? Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for your interest. Um, but as you rightly pointed out, uh, it is more accurate to say uh, the honey, honeybee murder hornet, or better yet, Asian giant hornet, uh, Vespa mandarinia, as their uh, scientific name, uh, since they're generally, they generally won't bother humans who are not bothering their nests or otherwise assaulting the insects. Okay, and uh, we had one, how many nests have been spotted in British Columbia of these things? Uh, there's only been one nest discovered so far in North America, and that was the one that, that we destroyed uh, in September of 2019, so about six months ago, I guess that is. Okay, did they not spot some in uh, White Rock? So specimens uh, have been found uh, near the near the border, both in White Rock and uh, in Blaine. Uh, but the nests have not a, a, an associated nest has not yet been located, and that's where efforts are concentrating concentrating on now is to is uh, on a monitoring program to find out uh, if there is a nest uh, that uh, that survived the winter, and uh, that's all a big if. Where did they come from? Uh, they are native to uh, southeastern Asia, including uh, China, Japan, Korea. Do we know how they got here? Um, nobody knows for sure. Uh, it's likely that they came over in, in a cargo ship from Asia. Yeah. The, the, the theory I like best is uh, that they might have come over in, uh, in a shipment of terracotta par- pots bound for the nursery industry because those pots, when they're stacked up, um, have would would create chambers with little entrance holes at the drainage point uh, where uh, an overwintering queen could nestle quite nicely to uh, overwinter. Okay, why is it important that we pay attention to this invasive species here? It's because they can wipe out the honeybees, right? I mean, you're a beekeeper. That's correct. Too. The impact, yeah, the major impact, would be on on the honeybee industry. Yeah, what can they do? What can these things do to a honeybee hive? So uh, a few dozen of the Hornet workers can destroy uh, an entire colony of honeybees, 25 
thousand to thirty thousand honeybees can be destroyed by uh, a few uh, dozen hornets who engage in aerial acro aerial acrobatic uh, dog fights with the workers of the honeybees to kill off all the workers. Uh, at which point they would then uh, take control of the honeycomb and larvae and begin transporting that larvae and honey back to the hornet's own nest to uh, feed their brood. Oh, my goodness. Nasty. These things are nasty. Now, I, when you guys found the nest there in Nanaimo, Conrad, I know that you were part of the crew that went in there to take it out, and uh, you got stung, right? You got stung by a murder hornet? That, that's right. In the process of um, uh, taking the nest, out excavating it, uh, I was I was initially stung uh, four times when I squatted down to vacuum up some specimens using a hand vacuum, only to find to our mutual chagrin that the nozzle was too small to accommodate the uh, very large size of of this species, which is the largest species of uh, wasp on the planet. So how big is it? Uh, they're uh, about a uh, inch and a half to two inches long, depending. Oh. The workers are about two inches long. Sorry, the workers are about an inch and a half long, and the queens can get up to about the two-inch range. Oh, my goodness. How how big is the stinger on these things? Uh, they're about a quarter inch long. Uh, oh. I took uh, I, I removed a, a, a lancet, a piece of the sting mechanism from uh, my finger uh, it, after it having gone through a leather glove. So oh. uh, if you if you are doing the kind of intensive assault on, on hornets like we were. You need to be well-girded. Wow. So what did it feel like to get stung by one of these things? Uh, the first four stings were essentially like having red-hot uh, thumbtacks driven into the flesh. Uh, but frankly, the other, the other two that I took to the, to the ankle, um, I didn't even notice in the heat of battle until I noticed some welts, uh, minor swelling, uh, because those would have... Those would have had to have gone through the Kevlar bracers that I was wearing on my ankle, so I probably only got a very minimal amount of venom uh, at the ankle. Oh wow, they're venomous too. Well, the like uh, uh, honeybees, the the sting carries a, a venom. Uh, that's what you're reacting to, and what uh, what causes what causes this, this local swelling. And in fact, the um, because the hornets. Uh, produce uh, such a such a large dose of venom, uh, and it containing uh, uh, enzymes that that lice that that break down the tissue. Uh, the uh, the stings the that receive a good dose of venom can uh, get local necrosis, local tissue die off. So I had a cup where. Where two of the stings that I took on my two of the four stings on my thighs uh, drew blood, and those wounds that drew blood, I wound up uh, the, the, the stings wound up killing a, a patch of flesh about the size of a lentil, small you know small lentil bean. But uh, in uh, you know in ma- if somebody is uh, you know incapacitated near a nest or something, then um, they can receive enough venom that uh, uh, shuts their kidneys down. Oh, could this could these things kill a human? They have been known. They have been known in unfortunate circumstances, uh, rarely to kill humans. All such episodes, of which I'm aware, uh, are circumstances in which uh, folks were unable to make a hasty retreat, either because 
they were uh, infirm, in old and infirm, and not able to beat a hasty retreat or because oh. they were protecting someone like that and escorting them away uh, to, to their own peril. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's very rare. To, just to, just to um, give you an idea, uh, in, in Japan, where the, where the term murder hornet seems to have originated, uh, a few dozen people succumb to insect stings each year, wow. probably as many from allergic reaction to honeybees as, as to hornets. Um, but in comparison, you know, 10, 10 or so people die each year from, from lightning strikes. So it's not, you know, it's not a huge uh, difference in, in right. the threat from lightning compared to, to hornets. Conrad, what should people do if they see one of these uh, murder hornets? So uh, in in our neck of the woods, um, if you can get a if you can get a photo of it, uh, snap a photo of it and zap an email off to uh, info at bcinvasives.ca. And at this time of year, because it would be queens that um, uh, are are flying around, if you feel safe doing so. Slap it with a six stick or something and kill it, because every queen that uh, is killed now in the spring is a is a nest that won't have to be dealt with later right. on. And if you if you do kill one, uh, wrap it up, throw it in the freezer, and uh, somebody from info at bcinvasives.ca uh, will contact you. But in general, uh, keep calm and and keep bees. Uh, the Asian giant hornet would be much more of a threat to honeybees than to public safety and. Honeybees beleaguered by habitat loss and diseases associated with mite parasites would benefit from increased hive hive numbers. So, uh, okay. you know, building a building, for instance, a Kenya top bar hive with the kids would be a great uh, COVID confinement activity. Oh, Conrad, thanks for taking one for the team there. That sounds like a painful experience there, going up against that murder hornet. Thank you for coming on. All right, thank you, Mike.